all of you for your welcome for this weekend. Uh, sorry for that long introduction. Uh, but we want to thank you, those of you who know us already, uh, for your continuing prayer and support through all those different worlds that the Lord led us into when we didn't know where we were going. And uh, we've been really glad of the link with you. And we're delighted to share in this Go Weekend, especially as we reflect on that second reading when Jesus called us to be salt and light. Let's pray, shall we, as we begin this journey together. Father God, thank you for your call to each and all of us to trust you and to follow you, to be your people and to be scattered and sent out as salt and light into your world. Speak to us, we ask, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Go weekends have a simple focus. What's our place in going? Where should we go? How should we go? For sure, wherever we are, we're called to be cross-cultural witnesses. So many people come here. We might be tempted to say, well, we don't need to move anymore. Besides, some of the places are a bit dodgy and a bit dangerous. So we'll stay and see who comes. And that will be the Lord's calling for us. That is the Lord's calling for some of us. But not all of us. We want to encourage you this weekend to visit, to live, and to invest, as we heard from the Jeremiah reading, even in those kinds of settings that for Jeremiah and his friends, they felt like exile. They were deported 800 miles to the east. And they were really struggling to make sense of it. And they were listening carefully for people who would say, don't worry, it won't be long, you'll get back soon. And God says, don't listen to them. Instead, invest where I have placed you. You don't like it. But make it your place. An extraordinary letter for Jeremiah to give to his friends. To people who wanted out, to people who wanted back, God said through him, my plan is for you to remain in this place that you don't like. To invest and to take the long view, generations. Our reflection would be that the more we give globally, the more we gain. We don't do it for that, but God blesses the giving. The more we are prepared to move about, the more we grow in faith through our encounters with brothers and sisters who see Scripture, for example, and models of mission in different ways from the ones we've grown up with. 
but also as we engage with those, as we've already heard from Susie, who as yet don't have God's word, who as yet, in the words of our current mission agency, are living and dying without ever knowing about Jesus and his life and his rescue. The more we send, this we found in the boardroom of the Baptist Conference Center in Ajloon, in the north of Jordan, the more we send, the more our vision of what God is doing expands. We got an update from friends who have been 35 years in the Middle East and what we call the Far East. They wrote their 100th update. They spoke of ups and downs of all those years, of emergency surgeries, of being held up at gunpoint, of their children's school attacked by terrorists, of suddenly having to leave places. But, they said, all that has been far outweighed by the blessings, the fun of exploring other cultures. We had some of that fun, some of us, last night with that fabulous Middle East meal. The thrill of seeing God answer prayer and the amazing family of Christ, which we appreciate more and more over the years. Their perspective, moving and working cross-culturally, is in a sense where we come in. In the Middle East, which has been our focus for a number of years, you honor people when you visit them. You honor them even more by living alongside them and serving with the churches there, whatever shape and size they are. Egypt uh, is the largest Christian community in the Middle East, but the, the Christian background population is still only 10% of the growing population, over 100 million now in Egypt. And yet the privilege of being with them, in our case, during the years that included the revolution, we only lived in Cairo, for four and a half years, but it included a revolution, so it felt like 10. That was a great honor when most foreigners left. We said, no, why should we leave? Unless our bishop says, I can't handle foreigners at the moment, there's too much going on, you'd better go. We will stay, and God enabled us to be with them. And they were encouraged, I'm pleased to say. <laughs> the bishop used to say, when foreigners leave, Egyptians cry. Sometimes they cry sheer relief. Oh boy, they've gone. <laughs> they loved us at the beginning, but somehow they lost it along the way. And now we just, Lord, please find them somewhere else. Uh, but others, they cried genuine tears of sadness. Under local church leaders, you see, with their guidance and perspective, we're called to go even to some of those dangerous places. One day, please God, internationals may be able to go back to Syria, not for now, many unless they're involved in relief agencies. One day, Yemen, but the church is growing in Yemen without the foreigners in the mix. Our Arab friends can go 
easily, much more difficult for us. Continue to pray for Sudan and the Christian community there. Again, supported by our Arab brothers and sisters. Jesus begins his ministry, and in chapter 5, he begins with a comprehensive call to Christian character. He starts by transforming us, and then he moves us about. People who live his way, as we well know, come under pressure. Matthew 5, 10 to 12 shows you that. But then in that context, he brings these two familiar images salt and light. Here, if you like, in these two images is our purpose. It's what we're about, not just on a go weekend, but every weekend and every week in between. Here's our purpose, and there are three dimensions to it. First, I wonder if you notice both verse 13 and 14 begin with you. And the you is plural. This is what's known as the cave church in the rubbish city up the hill next to the city of Cairo. It's a church with congregations that add up to something like 20,000 people. I suspect not many of us knew that. They are an extraordinary witness amongst some of the poorest of the poor who are Christian by background and others who have come to Christian faith as they serve the city, often again under a lot of pressure from those they serve. This is you. In our world, uh, our shopping-centered world, it goes something like this, Tesco ergo sum, I am because I shop. If you live in communal cultures, you suddenly discover, I am because we are. That's the perspective. And once you see that, it's very difficult to come back into an individualistic culture, I confess. I struggled when we came back in 2013. And in some ways, I still struggle because I long for that more communal perspective to be amongst us. You means us together. We need our global brothers and sisters to see this and to keep reminding it. Most other languages than English English have it. Thankfully, Scots and Irish, we have yous, right? Use our salt and light, is what Jesus is saying. Uh, A few weeks ago, and I wrote about this in the Go magazine, uh, I attended on our group's behalf the Refugee Highway Partnership. There are many patterns of migration all over the world. So many more people on the move now than ever have been on the move before. But I noticed in this big crowd of people who are helping churches reach out and welcome uh, and invite them to follow Jesus across Europe, I noticed that increasing numbers of refugee background people were on the platform. The brother, uh, Pastor Jean-Pierre, who gave us the Bible readings, He himself was a refugee multiple times. He fled from Burundi to Rwanda, from Rwanda to Uganda, from Uganda to the States, and now he is a pastor to pastors 
from refugee backgrounds. God has used all that experience, and God is using him um, in the long thin room, not a lovely wide space like this, uh, in the hotel where we were, um, he really struggled to see everybody and communicate. And he's an African, so every few minutes in the exposition, he would say, are we together? And you're expected to respond, are we together? Yes. Are we together? Yes. You get the point. He would make us work at that for some time to come. We are together. It is yous who are salt and light. The Lord is with us by his spirit. His community of people are with us. Remember that on Wednesday when it's getting tough in the middle of the week. Together then, we're called to be salt. And I'm not clicking. Can we go to the next? Thank you. Together, we are called to be salt. We know about salt. We know that before fridges and freezers, you had to work in the salt to preserve the food. For us, I suppose we would major a bit more on the flavor, though the doctors amongst us uh, warn us very quickly. Uh, if you go to a warmer and very hot country, you need to remember to keep your salt levels up, not down. Otherwise, you get that weird aching of the calves. At least that's how it hit me. And you suddenly realize you're dragging your feet and you, you need to up the salt and the liquids. In the back of Jesus' mind is the Old Testament images of salt, including Ezekiel's extraordinary vision of the river of God coming out from the temple of God, flowing out and changing everything that it touches. Ezekiel 47 talks about the, the water that comes from the temple, the fresh water, making the salt water fresh. An astonishing vision of a dead sea. Some of you will have been to the Dead Sea. Some of you have tried to swim in it. Some of you have lain back and read your newspapers in it or on it, more to the point. Everything underneath you is dead and slimy. But the vision is that the river of God is so fresh that it even changes the Dead Sea world into a world where everything lives, and this gospel is the fulfillment of that. Followers of Jesus are salt of the earth, salty people, attractive characters. And this is Jesus' call not just to give us a better life, but a transforming hope for everyone, amazingly, through us. Later on in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul met the Athens academics. They talked all day, the great gift of academics, the gift of continual utterance, it seemed. And they were accused by their critics of saltless speech. That's a sharp one, isn't it? Unappealing, dry. Paul invites his Colossian friends, therefore, to make sure that their conversations are seasoned with salt, just enough to give flavor, just enough to preserve the conversation, just enough to make people a little bit thirsty, appealing, winsome. That's a good 
hope, isn't it? That's a good prayer for us. You see what Jesus is doing with this image of salt? He is giving a double discipleship lesson. And the first dimension is we are called to scatter. A bit like we'll do after we've had a good time over coffee and tea and catching up with what the kids have been up to. And then we'll disappear. Just like salt. That's the calling. Back in 1980, when Helen and I were doing student ministry, Becky Manley Pippett's wonderful book came out, Out of the Salt Shaker. Salt is no good in the shaker. It's got to go out. No good in the cellar. It's got to be distributed. Only when the salt goes out does it get to work. And it becomes hidden. And you'd miss it if it wasn't there. Are you ready to be shaken out? Are you ready to be dispersed? Are you ready to disappear? It's as if God is saying to us on this go weekend, go, get lost. And see what I will do. As in Jeremiah, we're called to be involved, to invest, to immerse ourselves in our cities and see what the Lord will do. When we lived in Egypt, uh, our visitors, uh, if we were at a loose end and we'd run out of pyramids to show them and museums, we would send them to Coptic Cairo, old Egypt Cairo, sometimes known by Egyptians as Babylon. And there, there are many, many ancient churches of the most gorgeous Coptic museum, beautifully presented. And there's one remaining synagogue. And the story is, Jeremiah is buried underneath it. So we used to send our friends, go find Jeremiah, see if you can dig him up. He's out there somewhere. He came here, and he finished up here. I expect some of us know fine that to disappear... From here into cross-cultural witness can be very humbling. You become, I said we disappear, we become scattered. That's from this end. From the other end, as an international or a foreigner, we are terribly visible, highly visible, very, very obvious. And we make so many cultural mistakes. In Egypt, we never got on top of the inviting game and the sense of obligation that that always creates, and especially the giving game. When we saw people in need and we wanted to give them something, either material or even financial, what that does actually is packs in a whole load of unintended consequences so that they feel obliged to give you something back, and not just something, often more when they can't afford it. Oh, help, how do we give in this context? And we made fools of ourselves many times. But it was worth it to see the salt making people thirsty to hear more. Many from traditional religious backgrounds who are full of questions in the contemporary context and who are longing to find out more about Jesus and follow. We're invited to play our part in that. The salt is scattered. It disappears. And of course, as Jesus says here, it needs to keep sharp. 30 years on from out of the salt shaker, Becky uh, Becky Manley Pippert wrote, stay salt. Stay salt. Stay sharp. 
It's an odd idea, isn't it? Salt losing its saltiness. Our table salt is pure white. It's not mixed with anything. In the ancient world, it's a mineral mix, perhaps a bit more like what we used to put in the gritters for the streets. It's all rock salt now, but at the beginning, it was salt and sand and stones. And when the rain came, the salt washed away, and you were just left with a mix of sand and stones. Jesus' point is, it's absurd that salt is not salty. Disciples who no longer offer a distinctive, appealing, life-enhancing contribution to the world. How can that be? We'd say in our 21st century language, we need to be fit for purpose, to stop the rot. Even further back than the 1980s when I was a student at Cambridge Tech. That means I can say I went to Cambridge, by the way. I've never forgotten hearing John Stott, the great Anglican Bible expositor, speak about this passage. And I felt frightened as he spoke, because as he went through verse 13, he took it stage by stage. I could see where he's going, and I didn't want to go there. The salt is out there to delay decay. So whose responsibility is it if the world goes bad. It's ours. Salt is meant to be out there to do its preserving works. Let's go. And let's go with the kind of desire that one of our lockdown wedding couples brought. She is a teacher shaping young lives. He's a church minister learning to teach God's word and to serve and to lead his people. And they've both got good links internationally and they're actively considering going abroad again. And they said in the service by choosing this reading for their wedding, pray for us in our marriage and ministry. We want to be salt. We want to be light. And that's the second dimension. Together, we are called to be light. I beg your pardon, the third dimension. Together, salt. Together, light. May I read from Eugene Peterson's message translation? Here's another way to put it, Jesus says. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? Did Eugene Peterson have Scottish roots? Putting a light under a bucket? I'm putting you on a light stand. And now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Nicely translated. While salt is hidden, you see light is made to be seen, so everyone benefits. This is the uh, publicity that the Bible Society of Egypt put out at one point. Um, it looks a bit like the Al Jazeera logo on the news channel. It's actually, you are the light of the world in Arabic. How beautifully crafted is that script? 
And that was their message at the time. There's a revolution going on. The country looks as if it's in some kind of meltdown. It's certainly making transition after transition. And you are the light of this situation. Go be light. Everyone is meant to benefit. The world here parallels the earth in, chapter th in verse 13. The word cosmos we know it to mean the universe, it can mean that, but it often simply means the world as it is, the world as you find it later today, tomorrow, during this week and in the coming year. That's our forum to reflect the light of Christ together, to show his life-giving presence and hope. And he calls us city on a hill, in the Mediterranean, that might be a white limestone community reflecting the light for all to see. Edinburgh has a city on the hill. And is it still right that they come in here uh, once a month on a Sunday afternoon and celebrate together, sharing, if you like, in the light that uh, we are celebrating also ourselves? Verse 15 takes us inside the house. A single lamp lights the one main room. Middle East houses are a bit more like our black houses than our multi-roomed apartments. The one main room where you eat, sleep, welcome, where you bring the animals in for warmth, just as in the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. And in that context, Jesus, our Middle East friends think, was born. And Jesus' humor shines out with the bucket over the light. Who does that? We are meant to be visible together. We're not about private spirituality, as our culture wishes we were. We're public witnesses with different priorities as people. When we follow Jesus and adopt kingdom values, we stand out and that's when the trouble starts, as well we know. Peacemakers, Jesus said a few verses before, get persecuted by gossip and false accusations. But we are light. Who can resist the draw of those lights? I am a sucker for floodlights. If I go anywhere near a game, I've got to kind of hold the steering wheel, otherwise I'll, I'll move across and I'll go and see what's going on in the stadium. Who's playing who? Where are they up to? You're drawn by the lights. So this is Alexandria with Jerusalem further away to the east, inviting us to come in to this picture, shining out. You're doing the right thing. Light pulls you in, shows us life, pushes the dark back, exposes what's going on, illuminates the way, and attracts people to our Lord Jesus. Remember that today. There are elections for the president in Turkey. This is a critical moment for that nation. Pray for them and pray for our brothers and sisters, not many, but remarkable in what they have done in the face of the earthquakes. They've become the first responders, often the independent churches too, Baptists and AOG and brethren, They've had losses. There weren't many pastors and they lost some of them who died in the earthquake. There weren't many buildings and some of those are rubble now. But they're there in the front line. The light 
and their neighbors, majority Muslims, have noticed and are fascinated at what is going on through these small groups of Christian believers. Istanbul, Beirut, Athens, Amman, Edinburgh, they're all cities on hills. They're all cities desperately in need of this light. Let's embrace our cities. Let's pray. Let's invest in them. And let us, therefore, allow our light to shine before others. You see, at the end, Jesus says, our serving and speaking, they are good deeds. In the message again, Eugene Peterson puts it like this. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up to God, this generous Father in heaven. So many of our Muslim friends who've been fasting so earnestly in recent weeks fear God. They're terrified. They don't know where they stand. They can't, they mustn't. Can we be light? Can we be friends? Can we draw them closer as we serve and speak? Because Jesus says people recognize him when he is shown by his people and his church. Let your light go out. Be scattered. Because, brothers and sisters, we are worshiping here, but we go out to worship. Where our feet go is our worship. Where what our mouths say is worship. What our money does is worship. That's the New Testament perspective in my uh, Anglican Episcopal world. The old prayer book recites verse 16 just before the offering to remind you to give God the credit and the honor. We go out together to show the whole story about God. So this weekend invites us to be involved, to find our place. So the question for coffee is, where is our place in what God is doing? Salt and light always work together to bring change. We gather as light on Sundays and in our groups, and we scatter and disappear as salt through the week. We are a pulsing community in Jesus' view to attract the world. It's our privilege to be involved by his grace with him. For when we go, when we live, when we serve, his people will be encouraged and people around them will see what's happening and they will come to glorify our Father in heaven. May God grow that amongst us. May that be massively true for this congregation and all God's people around us. And may God bless us in our scatteredness and bless us in our togetherness as his light. Amen. Let's pray.
Father God, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus and his clear and attractive speech to us, to his friends, and to all who will listen to his word. Thank you for calling us in these images to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We ask simply but very deeply that you will fill us with your spirit as you send us out from here. Equip us to follow you, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. And by faith, we follow. Please stand if you're able.